Open up to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua. Stop. Right there. <laughs> All right. You got a book in your Bible called Rufy? Baby Ruth? Okay. Reviewing from last week. What did we talk about last week? Joshua. Yes, we did talk about Joshua. Man, you guys are sharp. Yeah, we talked about Jesus. Yes, we did talk about Jesus. What did we talk about last week? Joshua, the introduction, the whole, the whole thing. Why are we doing the book of Joshua? Noah. Well, we kind of basically explain Joshua, Jesus, same name. Yes. And so there's actually a whole type of book called Jesus. Yes. And it's kind of a very important book to read, to walk a shot. Yes. Because kind of the Israelites getting out of the wilderness, which would be like the lost world or your unsavedness. Yep. And to salvation. I think that's a word, unsavedness. I like that. Okay. All right. And then conquering giants throughout your new Christian life. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Very good. What else? Anything else? Yep. We kind of went through Genesis through Deuteronomy. Yeah. And why do we do that? Um, to know Israel's past. Yep. And? Our past. Yes. Okay. All right. So we talked about that. So here's something that's very, very important for you guys to understand. As you work through things in life in general, if you want to really understand where you are, you have to understand where you came from. And then in order to understand where you came from and where you are today, that will determine the direction of where you're going to go. And the Bible speaks very, very clearly that you should ponder the path of your feet and let all thy ways be established, as in Proverbs chapter 4. You should always be thinking about where you are. You should be thinking about where you're going. There's a lot of times in my life growing up, and it's something that as you mature, you start to learn and you start to work through this. But sometimes you find yourself in a situation like, how did I get here? Like, why do I struggle with the things that I struggle with? Why do I do the things? I mean, how do I have the friends that I have? Why do I struggle with my relationships with my parents the way that I do? Whatever the case might be, there are certain things in your life that as you start to look at it, if you really want to fix it, you have to have a really analytical mind. And some of us may not have that. I know God's given me that. But it's something that through practice, you can start to think through that about, okay, I have this problem. How did I get here? You have to look back at your past and determine what courses or what decisions brought you to this point with these struggles that you have now in order to deal with them properly because you might have to go back and make some corrections. You might have to go back and make some changes. You might have to go back and face up to some of the things you did wrong in the past in order to take care of things right now so that way you can have a better future. This is just common sense, but I think in our culture, common sense is really going out the window. So we have to really talk about some of these things on a very rudimentary level because I believe that all of you want to have a Christian life that is very successful. Yes. Okay, I know that's a loaded question, but I mean, I would think, I know for me, when I think about my life, when I stand before God, I want him to look at me and say, good job. You did a great job. I want God to say that to me. And that's something that's built into us. Like, I know we want to, it's this whole need of acceptance. Well, the greatest acceptance that we need is God's acceptance. And so when we look at this in our life, if you want to be successful in your Christian walk and you currently are struggling with things, then you have to learn to go back and think through how did you get to that point or why you struggle with the things you struggle with. And so that's what we're talking about walking with God. So you have to remember your past. 
you got to recognize your present. We talked about how, you know, when you're saved, you're born again. And then we also talked about how you're following Jesus. And what was the big deal that we made last week about following Jesus? When we talked about God talking to Joshua. And he said in verse 3, Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you. And then verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Yeah. Yes. Yep, God has to lead you for sure. And God is talking to who there? Go ahead. Joshua. Yeah. So God's talking to Joshua, and Joshua is another name for? Jesus. Jesus, yes. Yes, Sunday school answer. Standard Sunday school answer. When in doubt, just say Jesus, and you might be right on something. Okay, so when it comes to this passage, these things, God is talking to Jesus. So God did not say... Every place that your foot goes, you're going to win. He did not say that about you. God did not say that every person that stands before you, they're going to lose. God said that about who? Jesus. So as you follow Jesus, remember my awkward illustration with Trevor last week? Do it again. Do it again? Should we do it again? Oh, you want to do it again? Do you want to do it again? I don't care. I think deep down you do. But that's okay. He does. He has a a need for acceptance. Let's go. Come on. All right. So, Trevor is Trevor, and I am representing Jesus. I will not say I am Jesus. I am not. I am not. I am representing Jesus. So, a lot of times in our Christian walk, you have this guy, and I think I gave you a massage while you were here, didn't I? Okay. And while, while we are getting massaged by Jesus spiritually... Um, now, what we tend to do is that we want to stand in front of Jesus. So a lot of times, and I know Trevor's testimony, and he would share his testimony with you, that this has been part of his testimony. He's gotten in front of Jesus times in his life, and he has wanted to go this direction, and he's turned around and said, Bye. <laughs> or Jesus, follow me. Or Jesus, bless me as I'm going to go do this. All right? I don't think you said bye to Jesus. I mean, maybe you did without saying it. But in reality, how it should work is that he should be behind Jesus, and as Jesus moves, he moves, and then we need the train. All right, sit down. Okay, so that's how it should work in your Christian life, is that wherever Jesus goes, you go. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, you do. And we're going to talk more about that today. But this is very, very important, because a lot of Christians, that's what they want to do, and they ask God, God, please bless this relationship, I know he's lost. I know he's not really walking with you, but I really, really like him. And I want you to bless my relationship. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Guys, same thing when it comes to girls. It's not going to happen. God, I pray that you would bring someone into my life that I'd be able to date and I'm interested in. And then the conviction said, yeah, but you're not even walking with me. Yeah, disregard that. Just please bring me someone. Okay, that's not going to be, that's not going to be blessed. God can't bless that. And we're talking about that on Wednesday nights. We're talking about relationships and biblical relationships on Wednesday nights. But that's what a lot of Christians do. They make decisions and they ask God to bless them. And this comes to your job. It could come to your college. It could come to your future career. You make the decision, but then you turn around and say, God, bless this decision. Mm -mm. That does not mean God is the Lord of your life. That means you're the Lord of your life and you're wanting God to bless you in the process. No. That is not how it's supposed to go. It should be, God, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Who do you want me to date? Who do you want me to marry? Where do you want me to go to college? And whatever God then responds, 
and he responds in multiple different facets. For me, it was, you know what? I tried to go this direction and it didn't work out. And so I didn't force it. And so I backed off. And then I went this direction and it just didn't quite feel right. As I'm spending time with God and I'm thinking about him and I'm reading his word and I'm walking with him, it just didn't feel right. So I backed off and God opened up the right doors at the right time. It's not like God shows up and is like, hmm, uh, choose the Happy Meal. Oh, okay, thanks. I'll eat that today. No, he doesn't do stuff like that, all right? So this is very, very important for you guys to really, really get. And then we talk about realizing your future. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well in a different perspective and understanding that your eternal destination is secure. And then once you're saved, you're always saved. And having that kind of confidence moving forward will help you out greatly. Okay, all right, so let's hit this. All right, so build properly on your foundation. So moving into this thing, we've got to start it off right. So we're talking about the moment of salvation, context going back to Genesis through the book of Joshua. You got the devotional application of salvation. So at the beginning of the book of Joshua, get the picture for you guys devotionally. You guys, born again. You have a desire to walk with God. And that's why we did our camp theme of inside out. And I would hope that you guys are still in that boat. I would really hope that you are. I hope a bunch of people didn't just abandon ship. And decided to do whatever they wanted. But coming out of camp, knowing that we have a few weeks now outside of camp, I know that your flesh has been trying to test you and to tempt you. And I know that this world is trying to test you and tempt you. And some of you guys have made good decisions in that regard. And some of you have not. And so the whole point is, is that we need to get back in sync with the Lord. You can't always have a camp experience, but you can make those commitments and be faithful. And being faithful simply just means making good decisions regardless of how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel, you still walk with God. I mean, if you think about it from this perspective, when God died on the cross for your sins, Hebrews makes it very, very clear in 11 and 12 that Jesus did not want to do it. He did not want to go to the cross and die for your sins. He didn't. Anyone know the passage? What does it say in Hebrews 12? Let's look at it. Hebrews 12. Hold your spot in Joshua 1. Hebrews 12, I want you to see this because this might help you out just understanding there are some mornings or some days where you're not going to want to read your Bible. Welcome to the club. There are some days that you want to choose to satisfy your fleshly desires rather than doing what's right. Yep, pretty common. Look at Hebrews 12. You go through chapter 11, and there's a lot of examples of different people who really didn't want to obey, but they did anyway. But look at Jesus. He's the greatest example. Verse 2 of chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, here it is, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he endured the cross. Like, Jesus was not stoked to go and die. He was not super pumped about it. And if you just have any questions about that, go back to the Gospels and read his struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. He did not want to die. He did not want to die for you, humanly speaking. He embraced the suck. He embraced the suck, as as Pastor Mike Blake would say. Absolutely. He knew that this was going to be hard. He knew it was going to be tough, but he knew it was the right decision because he loved you. He loved you and he cared about you. And so he, at a great cost to himself, endured the cross and he despised the shame of it. He hated it. God hated every moment of the crucifixion. Every moment. I think a lot of people treat Jesus as if like, you know, he 
I don't know, like he just took the process and he was just happy with it or he was fine with it. No, he was fine with it for sure. But every moment, I, I have no doubt in my mind that every single moment of the crucifixion, he had to make a choice to continue. He had to make a choice to continue to be despised, ridiculed, beat. He had to make a choice to continue to allow God to put the sins of the entire world upon his shoulders while he's on the cross. He had to make that decision. He despised the shame. But look what it says at the very beginning of that. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. See, this is what we're going to be getting into, especially when it comes to how to walk with God. You have to, on the days where it's just hard, on the days where you don't want to read your Bible, on the days where you don't want to witness, like maybe you don't want to go to the balloon fest. I don't really want to do that. I'm just being honest with you. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather not put myself in situations where I'm having awkward conversations with people about the gospel. I don't want to do it. I really don't. And when I'm there, I have a hard time. I really struggle with my flesh because I know I should have conversations with people and yet I don't want to. And there's a lot of times that my flesh wins and I end up not having conversations with people. And so, and I'm looking for other excuses just to not do it. And so when it comes to stuff like that, you have to look beyond those emotional struggles that you have. You have to look beyond that to the potential of what could be. Like, do you really believe that the gospel is the thing that transforms people's lives? If you do, that will help you push past those emotional struggles that you have in your flesh in order to give someone the gospel because they might actually get saved. And even if they don't get saved on the spot, they've heard the truth. And the Spirit of God has promised in his word that God's word never returns void. He always accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. And when God hears the word, or when people hear God's word inside of their heart, he stirs inside of them and he uses those things for his good and for his glory. So even when we don't want to, or even sometimes when you share the gospel and you feel like it's not working, it is. It is. Because God is more powerful than your emotions. And he can use circumstances like that to transform people's lives. Maybe not in the moment, but down the road. And you have no idea what God's going to do. So you have to look beyond the circumstance. And that's what Jesus did. Go back to Joshua. So, after salvation. After salvation. How do we do this thing? We need to build a proper foundation. So, let's hit this paragraph. And let's work through some of this. A lot of the verses that are going to be our cross-references, we don't have time to look at this morning. So look at those later. But we have uh, this just to start us off with, and we'll see how far we get. Receiving salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ is just the beginning. It is not the end. Your life is hid with Christ in God, according to Colossians 3.3. Learning to live your brand new life daily with your Savior is your eternal destination. In John 14.3, Jesus says very clearly, He says, wherever I am, that's where I want you to be. That's what he says. Spending time with God and learning to walk with him is the end goal of being a Christian. It's not about going to heaven. It's not about being rescued from your sins and not going to hell. It's about being with Jesus. Pastor Tony talked about that two years ago at summer camp. Jesus is the destination, not heaven. And so as you learn to walk with him, you'll be able to learn how to overcome a lot of this stuff in your life. This is a common misunderstanding for most Christians today. From the moment of your salvation, you begin to build your new life with Christ. So we must learn how to build properly on the foundation he provided for each of us. Now, this is, a, this is critical. Now, how many of you guys have, um, I don't know, I guess one illustration I was thinking of was Legos. How many of you guys like Legos? Okay. Or have some experience with Legos? Okay. How many of you get so frustrated with Legos that you just quit? Okay, those are those of you that can't follow directions. Okay, so when it comes to Legos, 
let's say you're getting started, or if you've ever assembled anything, like you've put together a desk or a bed or a dresser, anybody done that kind of stuff? Okay, all right, some of you guys need to get some life experience because none of you raised your hand on some of this stuff. Okay, so go to Ikea, buy yourself something, and then put, try to put it together. All right, so I've been in this situation before, and it is so frustrating because I'll start to follow the directions, but then I'm like, oh, I got it, I got it, and you start to put it together, and you're like, wait a minute, there's something that's not right, and then what do you have to do? Take apart the whole thing and start over or take apart part of it and then build off of it from there. Or continue building and just whatever you have is what you have, right? Okay, so a lot of people treat their Christian walk this way. Because here's the directions on how to live a successful Christian life. We're going through the book of Joshua. And yet a lot of people will begin and they'll be like, oh, okay, all right, all right okay, I think I got this. And then they walk away from the directions and they start building something. You're like, wait a minute, something's not fitting right. Something isn't quite right here. I'll just continue and it'll just be what it is. No, then you got to go back, read the directions and like, ah, oh, I messed up. A is supposed to go there not G. And then you kind of work it out. But then what do you have to do in your Christian walk? <clears throat> Fix it. Go back, undo it, and then redo it again. If any of you work any sort of construction, it's the same sort of deal. Like you have to lay the foundation first and then after the foundation, you can worry about other stuff, but you have to worry about the structural things first before you make it look pretty. You can't be deciding what color you want the walls to be when you don't have any block up and you haven't any drywall put up, right? It's not gonna work out. Like in Mexico, we're going to Mexico and we're gonna be hanging drywall. We're not gonna be thinking about paint until after the drywall is hung and then Andy does his mudding that he loves so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andy hates mudding, so we're making him in charge of it. Okay, so. <laughs> and mudding takes time. Because when you look at a wall like this, okay? When you look at a wall like this, there are multiple pieces of drywall that are put together in order to make up that wall. But yet it looks like it's completely seamless. Well, that took time and effort, and you had to do it in order. You hang the drywall, then after you hang the drywall, you put the tape on, and then you put the mud on, and you have to let that mud dry. Then you do a second layer of mud, and you let that dry. You do a third layer of mud, and then you let that dry. And you tear the wall down. And then, and then Andy's house never gets built. <laughs> and then you take and you sand it down so it's nice and smooth, and you make sure there's any other corrections that need to be made, and then you paint. And then when you paint, you paint your first coat. You do the edging first, and then you do your first coat. And then, generally, unless you're lazy, or it just looks good because you're that great. Then you do a second coat, and then sometimes you do a third coat, right? What kind of paint are you buying? It just depends. Low quality. Cam, yeah, right. Okay. So things take time. And in your Christian walk, it's exactly the same. If you don't do it properly, then you're going to have a lot of damage, or someone's going to look at that wall or that house and be like, hmm, something's not right there. Right? And this is supposed to be a house that glorifies God. Correct? Okay, you guys awake, awake this morning? Because we can wake each other up. I got some creative things that we can do. Go get the water balloons, Andy. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I'm hoping this makes sense because as we work through this stuff, these things need to be part of your thinking when it comes to walking with God because a lot of us in our Christian walk we get off the track and then we have no idea how to get back on track 
And then we just become accustomed to just being off the track and we think that's just normal. And that's not normal. Do you know that your Christian walk can be the most exciting, joyful experience of your entire life? Do you know that you don't have to live defeated in your sin all the time? Do you know that you don't have to feel a daily struggle and let it overtake you? Do you know you can actually have good conversations with your friends? You know you can actually invite people to church and they still might like you? Maybe. Verdict's still out. Okay. (laughs) So all these things, like, for some reason, these vain imaginations get into our head and then we don't walk with God and we don't go back and redo some of these things that we need to redo in order to get back on track. And I don't know if it's just because we're lazy, probably, or we really just don't want to walk with God. But if you really want to do this thing, then you've got to determine your heart to do this thing and go back to the instruction manual and go and get the job done. No matter how long it takes to undo whatever you need to undo and rebuild whatever you need to rebuild. Do you want it to be a house that glorifies God? Do you want your house to be a house that glorifies God? Think about that. Yes or no. If your answer is yes, then you have to go back. You have to go back and you have to undo some things and relearn. You got to unwind stuff in order to do it again. You just have to. So this is common sense. This is common stuff in life. Even though it's hard, it's the right thing to do. And generally speaking, the right thing is always the hard thing to do. Okay. All right, let's try to get into this. We're going to have to buzz through some of this stuff. I want to talk about the principles a little bit more. Okay. So first of all, number one, establish and maintain proper leadership. Establish and maintain proper leadership. And we might have time to only get through this today. We'll see how this, how this works out. Establish and maintain proper leadership. Now, this is the beginning. This is the foundation. This is the foundation on the foundation. Establish and maintain proper leadership. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3, you find out that Paul tells uh, the Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. And then in there, he gives proper leadership. He talks about how the head of God is Jesus, or the head of Jesus is God, and the head of every man is the woman. And so he establishes that proper leadership, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because when you look at that, and I use that passage a lot in verse 3, because there's a lot of people today that, that have huge problems with that because they just claim that it's sexist. And we're talking about that on Wednesday nights as well. Okay, think about it from this perspective. In verse 3, the head of Christ is God. Is God and Jesus equal? Are they equal? Yes. They are both God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all God. Okay? It's very clear. The Bible is very clear about that. They are all God. And yet, in the authority structure, at the head of Christ is God. So what does Jesus have to do? Submit or yield to God's authority. And you see him in the Gospels do that all the time. Whatever God tells him to do, he does. Whatever God tells him to say, he says. So it's clearly established there. And that's what God's talking about. Among men and women, are they equal? Yes, Yes, absolutely. The Bible is clear. Men and women are all equal before God. And yet, when it comes to the marriage relationship, who has God put in charge? The husband. The husband is the one that's in charge. There's nothing wrong with that. Try to be on a team with two team captains. How's that work out? Try to be on a team with two head coaches. How does that work out? (laughs) Terrible. Try to be on a team where the assistant coach tries to usurp the authority of the head coach. (laughs) Okay. 
So, and just, I mean, just think about that. What school has more than one head principal? I mean, you can have more than one principal, but there's one that's in charge, right? Okay, same thing. What teacher tries to usurp the authority of the principal? One wants to get fired. Absolutely. So this is common sense, and yet people think that this is something that's, that's absolutely freaky, like there's something wrong with it. No, this is just common sense. This is proper leadership. Somebody's got to be in charge. And this is where, going back to the illustration with, with Trevor, somebody's got to be in charge. And Trevor has chosen sometimes in his life that he's going to be in charge, just like I've chosen that, just like you've chosen that. But we have to learn that God is in charge. We have to learn that first. And this is what God lays out at the very, very onset of all this stuff. All right. So first we see that God speaks to Joshua. Or your blank is? Jesus. Yeah, so God speaks to Joshua. God speaks to Joshua. Let's read this. I'm going to read these verses real quick. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites in going and unto the, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So God speaks to Joshua directly. Now this is very important because there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of responsibility on the leader. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility on the leader. And until you are in a position of leadership, you have no idea. You have no idea. And I'll just give you a quick example. I remember in the junior high, so those of you guys remember Ben McGugan? So I love Ben. I love Ben to death. So Ben was with me in the junior high for almost six, close to seven years. Because I was in the junior high for almost seven years. I taught him everything. I taught him everything. I taught him activity planning. I taught him communication. I taught him lesson planning. I had him teach multiple series. I had him run with stuff. I had, I had him do all this stuff to the point where when it was my time to exit the junior high and start taking other responsibilities in the church, I said he needs to be in charge. And he was put in charge. And he was in charge for a year before he left for a teaching job in North Carolina. Now, I remember the first camp that he was in charge as a junior high leader. He came up to me at church and he said, Stephen, I had no idea the work that you had and the work that you accomplished when you were in the junior high, when you were leading it. I had no idea. And, I'm, and I, to be honest with you, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I had you do almost everything. The only thing that you didn't do is that you weren't in charge. That's it. And yet he had no idea what it took to actually lead that ministry until he actually led it. And I learned something very important there. I can teach somebody 
everything from A to Z. I can teach them the details of everything. I can give them experience and responsibility, but until they're in the driver's seat, right, Mackenzie? <laughs> until they're in the driver's seat, they have no idea what it's like to drive. And it's the same thing here. And so you need to understand that. If you guys want to be a leader one day, you've got to understand that it's going to take great responsibility on your part. Great responsibility. And don't make that something that you know makes you scared or makes you run away from it. It's exciting. It's fun. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I know that I'm made for something like this. But I had to get in those positions first and be scared and accept it. Embrace the suck. Thank you, Andy. And then go and do it before I realize this is what God made me to do. How do you know that God hasn't made you to do something like that? How do you know that God does not want you to be in charge of something? To take the reins, to be responsible, to be a ministry leader of sorts. How do you know? Until you take the step and say, you know what? I'm willing. I want to do more. I want to be more responsible. Because in this situation, Joshua steps up to the plate and God speaks to him. And you have three messages that God speaks three times where he says, be strong and have a good courage. And he tries to encourage him in those things. And so there are things that the commander has to tell the leader that he won't tell anybody else because he's going to need some extra encouragement. And this is why you guys need to be in your Bible daily because God has given you his spirit inside of you. If you're born again, the Bible says clearly that you have the spirit of God inside of you. And if you really want to be a Christian in this world, you are a leader, whether you like it or not. The moment that you have received Christ as your savior, you are a leader. You're a leader. Everybody looks at you as a leader. Everybody's waiting for you and watching what you're going to do. Welcome to the club. It's just part of the deal. There are lost people that are watching you and they're waiting for you to slip up so that way you might say a few cuss words so they can throw it back in your face. They're trying to match you up with lost people because they want to see you fall. There are lost people that are actively trying to pursue you sexually to get you to fall as some sort of a trophy of theirs. I've been in that situation. I've had that done to me. So don't fool yourself. You're a leader. Whether you like it or not, if you are a Christian, you are a leader. And as a leader, you need to hear from God on a daily basis. You need to hear from God on a daily basis because that's the only way you're going to make it through. The only way that you can be strong and have a good courage is if you're actually hearing from God, not necessarily just reading your Bible, because some of you guys know this. You read your Bible and you don't hear anything from God. And it might be because of your attitude. It might be because you actually don't really want to hear from God. This is just something else you want to check off your Christian checklist. I'm a good Christian today because I read my Bible. Nope. doesn't work like that. When you read your Bible, you're hearing God. That's how it needs to be. When you open up your Bible, and I do this, and I've shared this with you guys a lot of times. When I read my Bible, if I start to read my Bible and it starts to become routine, I have to catch myself and I have to stop myself and say, hold on a second. God, I'm sorry. I need to hear from you. Can you just please teach me? Whatever I read today, I pray that you would touch my heart in a way that you would speak to me and that there's something that I, I, I need to learn, something that I need to get rid of in my life, something, just something I need to deal with, or something I need to be reminded of, whatever. I just I need you to talk to me today. And I get my heart right, and then I read the Word of God. I don't treat it like any other book because it's not any other book. This is the voice of God. This is God's word to you. The fact that God would put his words in a book and then give them to you is incredibly humbling. 
We don't deserve to hear from God. And yet, he painstakingly put together a book so you could hear him. And the Spirit of God inside of you wants to hear God's word. And as you hear God's word, it's going to give you the strength and the courage to overcome anything that day. And as you memorize verses, same thing. That's why you memorize verses. It's not because it's a discipleship task. It's because you want to hide God's word inside of you so you can remember things. So as you're having conversations with people, verses are popping up in your head of things that you've learned or things that, I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is what it means to walk with God. These are the fundamental. This is the beginning. Salvation and then learning to spend time with God. Quality time with God, not quantity. You can read the entire Bible in one day. Good luck. doesn't make you any more godly. A lot of Christians that are actually godly are the ones that read maybe a chapter a day, maybe even just five verses a day, but they really meditate on it and they really think about what God is teaching them and then they apply it because they're doing what God has said. Because those that's what Jesus calls his disciples, those that do the word of God. All right. So the other thing that he does here too is that he ends up as the commander, he casts the vision. So he tells them, hey, listen, you're going to be going into this land. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be strong, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you do it. And so in doing that, when the commander does that, it encourages the leader to take those steps, to take those risks, to do those things that maybe he wouldn't have done otherwise, because there's something inside of him that gives him that confidence. That is super important, super, super important. When God commissioned his disciples to go out into the world and make disciples of every nation, to go and evangelize everyone everywhere and to make disciples, he knew that the job was going to be hard. And yet he wanted to cast that vision inside of you so that you know what your job is and that you actually can accomplish it. And so that's something very important for a leader to understand is that God really cast the vision in his own heart first between him and God before he can turn around and then speak to the people. All right, we're going to hold off there. Because this is stuff that we want to spend some time with. Because we want to really make sure that we get this down first before we go any, any farther. And we'll be able to pick it up and move through this a little bit uh, quicker next week. All right, so I hope God taught you something today. I really do. And I hope that whatever he taught you, you actually apply it. Because that's what we're talking about. Maybe you just need to have more quality time with God. Maybe examine your devotions, your time with God on a daily basis. When do you do it? How can you make it something that's more quality time with God rather than just checking it off the checklist? Because you have the Spirit of God inside of you who wants to help you and encourage you, but if you don't give Him anything, it's just not going to be possible and you're just going to keep struggling. Every time in my life where I tend to neglect getting in God's Word and having quality time with God, I always struggle with sin in my life. Always. Always. And when I'm spending time with God, those things that I struggle with, I don't struggle with. And that's my testimony. And I think it needs to be yours too. Especially getting stuff right this summer before heading back into your mission field. It is your mission field, Petey, by the way. So, sorry. Sorry to bust your bubble. (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and pray. Who wants to pray? It's got to be someone in this room. Jack, go ahead.
request to live for you, Lord. So uh, I pray this and everything today will just go well. Amen. All right, real quick before you guys leave. Uh, Wednesday, we're continuing our relationship study. So we're going to be finishing the second half of our study. If you missed the first half, we've always got the podcast. So make sure that you uh, download the Anchor app. If you have an Android phone or if you have an Apple phone, you can search on the podcast app and you can find us on there. Um, Really, really critical stuff we're working through right now. Also, I just want to tell you that I can tell that some of you guys are super tired. Super, super tired. And I'm not talking about just physically, but spiritually. I can tell, and I just need to give you a heads up. This is part of my responsibility. I'm not saying this to condemn you at all. I'm doing it as a warning. I want you guys to just think about this. Coming out of camp, things are starting to ebb a little bit, which is normal. But we're three to four weeks out of camp, and things are starting to ebb a little bit. And so what you need to do is that regardless of how you feel, you cannot live your spiritual life based off your emotions. You can't. Just because you're happy at camp and it's easier to walk with God, that does not mean that that's how it always is. Walking with God is hard work. It takes some discipline, and you got to recognize that. But I just want to tell you that this is what I see, and I can just tell. As I'm teaching, you guys are not receiving some of the things that I'm saying like you did a few weeks ago. And that's okay. This is part of, this is part of life. But I just want to help you, and I'm just recognizing that, and I want to tell you guys that this morning. Which means that we as leaders need to be praying more for everybody. Um, and be praying for us as well because there's a lot that's coming our way. With Mexico that's coming up, we got we to gotta be on our A game when it comes to just walking with God. But as school is coming up, you got a lot of lost people that you guys are going to be running into. You got to be on your A game. Start walking with God now. Make some corrections now that you know you need to make. Okay? All right, get out of here.